As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Beyond the Crucible. I'm Warwick Fairfax, the founder of Crucible Leadership. I really believe that encouragement can change the world. I mean, we live in a world that's uh, divided. There's war uh, on as we speak. Uh, division, discouragement, fear, uncertainty. But, you know, when you encourage somebody else, and they in turn encourage others. And you have, you know, encouragement spreading like, you know, water spreading out on dry land. You'll see grass growing, flowers blooming. It, it makes a tremendous difference if, if we had everybody think, okay, what can I encourage somebody today in? You know, it would encourage people to bounce back more. Warwick just described is not a utopia. It's a reality we can all create by becoming intentional about offering one of the most effective antidotes to staying stuck in our crucible experiences, giving and receiving encouragement. Hi, I'm Gary Schneeberger, co-host of the show. This week, Warwick and I discuss his new blog on the impact and practice of encouragement. You'll learn the seven key steps to becoming a master encourager, from paying attention to being specific, from giving positive feedback often, to always making sure it's sincere. I even get the chance to shock Warwick with the results of a study that found for every one criticism you tell someone, you need to counterbalance it with, well, you'll have to listen to find out what that number is. You just might be shocked by it, too. One of the things I, I'm going to love about this conversation as it unfolds is that um, it, it works on two tracks. There's professional kinds of encouragement as a leader, as a teammate in the workplace, and then there's also personal kinds of encouragement. And the principles behind them are the same, but, but we get to sort of explore our business leadership muscle here, Warwick, as well as our self-help muscle here. So explain a little bit about, uh, as we get started, why you chose encouragement as the topic you wanted to focus on in our dialogue discussion. We live in this in this world where it's sort of paradoxical that if ever there was a need for encouragement, it's right now. But because of the stress produced by understandable fear and division and war, it's hard to 
find the actual mental and emotional energy to actually encourage. So we need it a lot, but it's hard to find it in these sorts of circumstances. This is a is a circle of life kind of issue, right? I mean, as you give encouragement, that then can flow back to you to receive encouragement. Sometimes you get encouragement from giving others encouragement. The reaction um, of someone that you encourage, the the improved either relationship if it's personal or performance if it's professional, that then encourages you. So I think it's a it's to use one of your favorite analogies, it's a flywheel of sorts. As you encourage, you get encouraged, right? It's really true. I mean, it's one of my highest values as we'll get into, you know, I really try to encourage. And as I encourage people and I see them feel encouraged and their spirit lighten a bit, it makes me feel good. I mean, one of the things we say on Beyond the Crucible all the time is, I mean, we probably say this every single podcast, if today is your worst day, you're at the bottom of the pit, you know, yeah, there is obviously some lessons about how you get out of the pit, you know, understanding your design, learn the lessons from your crucible and so forth. But part of it is as you have a vision that's focused on others, when you focus on others, it just gives you this feeling like you're doing something worthwhile. You feel better about yourself. You feel encouraged because we were designed as humans to think of others and help others and serve others in, in the altruistic sense of that word. And so it really follows from that same philosophy is we were designed as we think of others. Part of that is is encourage them. So, you know, you can argue, or de- on, you know, with how we're designed by the designer, whoever that is, but th- we're designed in a way that when we encourage, we will tend to feel encouraged ourselves and better about ourselves just because we're encouraging others. It's part of our human design that, that we can't alter. It's just the way we are. Right. And it's... It's. I hadn't thought about it before. I, I mean, I've heard you say, I've said myself scores, dozens, hundreds of times, a life of significance is a life um, lived on purpose, dedicated to serving others. And and one of the ways that you serve others, you know, we think of 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 maybe more more active. You know, we're running a soup kitchen. Where, to, but encouragement is a way to serve others, as you just pointed out, and that's a, that's that's kind of the not the easiest, but one that we can all do any day, every day, if we're paying attention. Uh, that seems to be like a good entry point as you as you're looking for a life dedicated to serving others. It's a good place to start, isn't it? It is. I mean, kind of one thought as I've been thinking about it is. Um, you know, it all starts with how you look at life. So, for instance, one of the things we say all the time on Beyond the Crucible is, you know, today could be your worst day. You might have suffered through physical tragedy, abuse, financial loss. It could be your fault, not your fault. You know, like in the case of my financial failure, it was largely my fault. But you have a choice in life. Are you going to say, this was unfair and just going to hide under the covers for the next 30, 40, 50 years until it all ends? And so in a similar way with encouragement, you know, whether you feel like it or not, whether you feel, boy, today has not been a good day, I had a really tough time at work, you know, family, that's family issues, kids issues, you know, maybe my kids' grades at school aren't that good, maybe my son or daughter got cut from the team. Bad stuff happens every day at times, it feels like. So there's always reasons to just feel, oh, woe is me. And just feel down right. and I get it. And that's real. I don't at all minimize that. But part of it really is a choice. Okay, I know today isn't good, but I'm gonna have an attitude that 
you know, I'm going to try and be grateful for what I can, attitude of gratitude, as others have said, but I'm also going to try and have an attitude of encouragement. So it really partly, you know, you're going to look at the glass half empty, half full. Part of it is just a, a way of being, a life philosophy, a set of values that you're saying, okay, irrespective of how tough life is or isn't, I'm going to have an attitude where I'm going to try and be grateful and I'm going to try to serve others, uh, certainly in this way of encouraging them. So you've got to kind of put a part that plant that flag in the ground and say, I am going to do this. I'm going to choose to try and have an encouraging spirit. That's really, it's sort of the foundational choice. It's sort of like that choice in, in the pit. Am I going to be overwhelmed by my crucible? Or am I going to choose to try to come come back from it? As difficult as it is, am I going to choose to try and be encouraging? Or am I going to uh, try just have an attitude of life is unfair, it sucks, and I'm just going to be angry and frustrated? And that's all. That's the only emotion I'm going to think of: anger and frustration. I'm not going to be grateful. I'm not even going to try and encourage anybody. So really, you've got to make a, a life philosophy choice. That's really probably almost the the underpinning to the points we're about to discuss. Before we get into the content of the blog, I want to level set us with a, a, a quote I pulled from a Harvard Business Review article about the importance of encouragement. And uh, it, it says this, a recent study from McKinsey and Company, this article was published just in November of last year, found that although most employers believe that the large number of people who quit their jobs this year were looking for better compensation, the truth is most were leaving because they didn't feel valued and lacked a sense of belonging at work. Another study found that receiving more frequent appreciation from our colleagues and managers doesn't only make us feel uh, respected, it's also linked to better performance. So there's a there's a bottom line reason to do this in a professional context, and I'd argue a bottom line reason to do this in a different sense of a bottom line in relationships, because they build stronger relationships, and um, uh, that is a very helpful thing. So Yeah, I mean, I think that's such a good point, Gary, that you raised. I mean, that's really, really excellent. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sort of familiar with uh, studies that basically show you know, whether you're lower management, middle management, wherever you are in an organization, everybody wants to be uh, compensated fairly. That's a given. You want to feel like you're being paid fairly for the work you perform. But once you achieve that, yeah, okay, I'm getting paid what other people get paid in my industry. Okay, great. That's a foundation. That is certainly necessary, but it's not sufficient to make you happy at work. People beyond AI getting paid fairly Beyond that, that's not really uh, motivating. You know, it's it's sufficient, but it's not a, a motivator in in the general sense of the word. And so, most people leave work because they don't get on with their boss, and maybe their boss is not encouraging them, criticizing them. They, you know, no matter what they do, it's always wrong. They may be, you know, out of tune with the values of the organization. But uh, and to your point, I'm sure it's the case that if your boss encourages you, values you. Uh, you know, tells others, hey, you know, uh, Jim or Mary is doing a phenomenal job. That will not only make you feel encouraged, you will work harder, probably longer hours, more effectively, more productively. It makes just good business sense and additional to moral sense. So you're right. It is so, the power of that is absolutely paramount. And people that think if you're average person, it's all about money. It really is not. Beyond getting paid fairly, 
they want a whole lot more than that. They want, to f- they want to feel like what they do matters and they want to feel like their boss appreciates them and encourages them. It's critical. You just In today's world where people are very mobile, you, you lose people in a heartbeat if you don't appreciate them. Right. And that's why, listener, we're doing this podcast and Warwick wrote his uh, most recent blog on the power of encouragement and the, the patterns of encouragement, how you can do it. You'd think that Warwick loves the number seven because uh, <laughs> his blogs almost always have seven points. The last one had eight, which like surprised me. Um, but uh, he has seven points of how you can go about offering encouragement. And again, from my perspective, these apply in the workplace for sure, but they also apply in relationships. Um, but the first one, Warwick, that you talk about in your blog and that we're going to talk about here is to pay attention, which seems counterintuitive. I chuckled there because it's like, okay, um, it seems rudimentary, but nothing happens for your encouragement of others if you're not paying attention, right? So it's this attitude of, I'm going to pay attention and I'm going to look for opportunities to be encouraging. I'm going to have my radar up, my ears open, my eyes open. I'm going to look to be open and aware so that if something happens, I am not going to miss it. So that it's critical. I'm glad you took it to the place I was uh, talking about in, in, in in terms of family relationships, because I wanted to share um, one of the things that my wife Kelly and I do, and we have done for the last three or four years. It's a jar. It's a, it's an enormous mason jar. Look how big it is compared to my head. It's an enormous mason jar. And inside of the jar are three by five cards. And what we do is we keep blank three by five cards around the house. And then we as we catch one another, right, doing something nice, doing something kind, and we want to encourage the other, we'll write them down. We'll date them and write them down for the entire year. At the On January 1st of the next year, we'll pull these things out, and these it's jammed to the top full of these things. And it takes us almost two hours some, some years to go through all of those notes of hey, thank you for doing this. Wow, I was really impressed when you did this. You're such a good mom or stepdad or whatever that is that we talk about. And and it's it, it's really a beautiful time. And knowing that that jar is there does fuel exactly what you're talking about, catching each other, doing something good, but also doing something well, doing something that, uh, that um, you appreciate about them and being able to express that. And that, that doesn't mean that we don't talk to each other about things that, you know, we don't encourage each other 365 days out of the year. We only do it on the first of the year. <laughs> it's, it's just a secondary way. And it's a way to make sure we keep those things top of mind. I even carry three by five cards with me when I travel. So I don't miss moments um, when, I'm, when I'm away from home to, to then come back and stick those in the mason jar. Yeah, I mean, Gary, I think that's just incredible. Um, I think that would be really worthy of doing, listeners. So uh, you might want to do exactly what uh, Gary and Kelly uh, do, just, you know, write down some three by five cards. I think really the larger point you're getting to, which I think is important. uh, I mean, for me, it's one of my highest values. I don't want to say I do it like breathing a little bit just because it's, yeah, I'm just so focused on it. It's such an important thing for me. I think, you know, find a mechanism, a rhythm you know, mm-hmm. Gary's mentioned one good rhythm. One of the things that we do, again, you don't have to do this, and Gary's one is brilliant. 
I think I've mentioned on, on uh, this podcast before, one of the things we do at birthdays or Mother's Day or Father's Day uh, is we go around the table and you know, three kids or you know, adults now from 30 down to 20s, and we'll say uh, youngest to oldest, uh, what do we most admire about that person? Now, two out of my three kids are writers, so they'll do the same thing on their cards. And since they're writers, you know, when it's about you, there's like paragraphs of detailed praise with bullet point with points and backups. <laughs> Subsection and, you know, two. Yeah, exactly. It's, oh my gosh, you know. Um, Footnotes. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Pretty much. And sometimes, you know, they roll their eyes or whatever a little bit. And not too much, but it's like, oh, here we go. But um that's that's just amazing. You you know, got cards for years, and you just remember some of the themes. Like, hey, Dad, you're always there at my birthday, at my uh, tennis or soccer or dance recital, what have you. So that's kind of what we do. I mean, Gary's is is fantastic. I mean, that is just feels like that's the that's the platinum gold star level way of encouraging by putting cards down, and in addition to doing it during the day, but. You know, listen, you figure out your own mechanisms. You don't have to have a mechanism. But like a lot of things in life, sometimes mechanisms help a, uh, a characteristic that you want to be like, uh, you know, like muscle memory. It helps to train the muscles in that. So I think mechanisms like that, especially Gary's, I think is a fantastic idea. Which leads us logically to the second point. And this is what I love about these conversations, Warwick, and the blogs that you write that, that, that fuel them is that the points stick together like a stepping stone, right? First step, number one, pay attention. Okay, you're doing that. Then what comes after that? Point number two in your blog, in our conversation now, is if you see something, say something. Again, seems a little self-evident, but... Really, in the in the workaday world of how busy things are, that can get past us, right? Absolutely. You know, we all have our sayings. This may be close to the number one thing that I say, number one mantra, if you will. If you see something, say something. And so by that, I mean, if you see something positive, say something. You know, we'll talk about the, the negative is not quite so... You don't always right. say something just because you see something negative. That you have to think pretty hard about, you know, should I say something when, if, you know, that's a whole other discussion, other podcast. But, you know, let's assume that you have this attitude of gratitude, attitude of thankfulness, glass, you know, uh, half full. You've got that mindset. You're paying attention. So once you're paying attention, it may not be a freight train. It might be just this gentle you know, breeze through the trees and you see something, then say something. And I can't tell you how many meetings, whether it's I'm on two nonprofit boards, uh, board meetings, you know, uh, meetings with different teams, family. Sometimes you can see on people's eyes that they're thankful, but right. they're not saying anything. You know, somebody, again, I'm not trying to throw any organization under the bus, but like in a couple of nonprofit boards I've been on, there are times in which, whether it's you know the head of the organization or sometimes one of the heads of a department will come to the board and give a presentation, and you'll be thinking, wow, this man, this woman is doing a phenomenal job. Wow. Now, how much would they value the board of the whole organization saying, this is great, like a lot, you know? 
Praise from a boss is great. Praise from the board, that's another level, at least from their perspective. You know, doesn't mean we're more or less important. It's just more how, how it works. And so sometimes people will be wrapped up in what's the next steps? How can we improve on this? How does this, how does this report uh, jive with other things I've heard? And, you know, you're thinking about all these analytical things you're thinking of, which is great. But rather than say, wow, you know, Fred, Mary, that was fantastic what you're doing here in this ministry or in this part of the organization, it's fantastic. So, yeah, it's just, I'm not against anybody. It's just human nature. You get preoccupied with your own thoughts and you're thinking all these positive thoughts, but you're not saying anything. Right. And it's just human nature is people aren't used to encouraging. It's just not a normal thing that people do. And so they're thinking these positive thoughts, but it's like, just because you're thinking of it, how, do, how in the world is a person meant to know, you know, they're meant to be a mind reader? How, how are they meant to know that you're thinking positive thoughts towards them if, unless you open your mouth? There's no way they're going to know. I mean, that, they can't figure it out by osmosis, by, you know, ESP or mind meld or mind reading. I right, mean, right. It, it doesn't work that way, you know? And the other thing then that comes from that, if you see something, say something, the something that you say you make in point three of your blog is be specific. And that to me is, is extraordinarily important because the, like most things in life, the more detail you offer, the more uh, beneficial what you have to say is. If you're, you know, you see those movies um, where someone's on a plane and some, you know, emergency happens and a passenger has to fly the plane, right? Got to be very specific when they get on with the <laughs> the uh, mission, you know, the uh, control booth uh, tower and they tell them how to fly. They got to tell them how to do it. They got to be specific. Being specific allows people to really understand what the encouragement is for. And I think then in few, uh, it fuels more uh, of that behavior as you call it out, right? Absolutely. Very well said. You know, it's one thing to say, back to the boredom example, somebody comes in and says, hey, you know, great job. That's better than nothing. That's okay. Uh, I think of another example, uh, like a, I'm an elder at my you know, church, uh, evangelical 2,000-odd person church in Maryland, so you know, often the pastors we have who preach pretty much always do a great job. Sometimes somebody say, hey, pastor, you know, great sermon. Okay. How often do they say why? Sometimes it's like, okay, what's that mean? I mean, thank you. It's better than bad sermon. You know, so it's like it's a step on the road. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it wasn't like it, it sucks or I'm leaving or see ya. I mean, I guess there are worse feedback. But um what I always try and do, and you know, whether it's it's a sermon or you know, I'm I'm on a board or just with other people, I try to be specific. So you know, back to the example of when we go around and birthdays, and I'm trying to give encouragement and praise to my kids and my wife. You know, I will say, you know, hey, I think you know, I know life has been tough, but you've really been persistent, and it's great you got that job, and you know, boy, I admire you for the fact that you know with. When you're in that job, you can set and forget. You're reliable. You don't miss anything. You know, you're dependable. And uh, that kind of character is really impressive. I mean, I try to be very specific in that. Certainly, in, in every case, be better believe with my family. Uh, so it's one thing to say, like a boss comes by and says, hey, that was great. Okay, well, 
you know, what's that mean? Oh, yeah, you're a nice person. Okay, okay, what's that mean? How how nice? Well, you know, you're kind, you're compassionate, you're forgiving, you're always thinking of others. Okay, now I get an idea of what you mean by nice person. You know, you know, it's better than nothing. But if you want to go from kind of entry level passing grade to you know A triple plus, you know, right? Uh, be specific. It, it makes a massive difference because uh, one can seem perfunctory. Okay, do they really mean it? Just saying, just saying it because or. Uh, yeah, being specific is absolutely critical, and it shouldn't be that hard because if you're thinking nice job or you're a nice person, there's got to be a reason behind it. It's not like, oh, I don't know why I think you're a nice person. Be like you with Kelly. Oh, I don't know why I was encouraged by what you did today. I have no clue, but I'm just going to say thank you, Kelly. Of course, right. there's a very specific idea of why you appreciate it on that in that moment, right? It's not like there's amorphous good feelings. You know, right, exactly. Right? Yep. So you said there's a sort of a triple A plus way to do it. I'm going to add some extra credit because I think <laughs> on this point in particular, on this idea of being specific, I think one of the best ways to do that, and you, you, you talked about it a little bit earlier when you talk about giving cards to your family at birthdays where you write things down. I think there's power, especially when it comes to being specific in a, a note, a written note. And I found another uh, HBR article that talks about the power of written communications versus verbal communications. And here's a couple paragraphs from that article. Handwritten notes mean more because they cost more. Emails, tweets, texts, or Facebook messages are essentially costless. They're easy to write and free to send, and you and I produce hundreds of them every day. A recent study indicated the average corporate email account sent or received more than 100 emails per day, and Americans between the ages of 18 and 29 now send or receive nearly 100 texts per day. These electronic communications are rarely notable, but handwritten notes are unusual. They take minutes or hours to draft each word carefully chosen no undo or autocorrect to fall back on. Drafting one involves selecting stationery, paying for stamps, and visiting a mailbox. They indicate investment, and that very costliness indicates value. This next part blows me away. If, as the U.S. Postal Service notes, we only receive a handwritten letter once every two months, each of those letters likely means more to us than the cheaper communications we receive each day boy it's it's so true i must confess i don't always do that like breathing there's always another level that all of us can reach but um yeah there's no question at the very least i think all of us can send uh birthday cards uh, right. fathers and mother's day cards to our loved ones i mean that's something and rather than just and it's okay you know you can say well i got this great hallmark card or whatever it is um, and the words can be pretty good in there, if not wonderful. And that's fine. But how about taking an extra few minutes and writing a few sentences about why you appreciate them? You know, uh, so that's sort of like, you know, it's better to send a card to your loved one uh, or a friend. It's better than doing nothing. And a card is better than an email. It's better than a text. So that's good. Yep. You already you know, along the way to what you're saying, but being more specific in that card of why, you know, you love them or admire them, 
that's the next level. So if you're going to do a card, and what Gary's talking about, handwritten note, boy, that's, I don't know if it's another level beyond a card, it probably is, you know, that's rarely will you receive a handwritten note. And yes, if you can find some nice stationery, that's extra credit. Yeah. But it's, 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 you know, we live in this world where it's like, nobody writes letters these days. I mean, it's just, it's just so rare, but you're right. It's so valuable. The other, uh, the next point in your blog and in our conversation, point number four um, is to tell others. What do you mean by that? Tell others. So we're, we're encouraging people, but telling others, why, how does that work and why is that important? So it, it's funny, you know, one of the things we're often told is don't gossip about other people. If you've got something to say to somebody, find a way, hopefully tactfully, without throwing hand grenades to talk to them about whatever the issue you have with them or whatever the thing is. But don't, don't you know, gossip behind their back and say, oh, you know, Susie, you know, Mar- um, John, boy, they're really... Stuff never gets done, and they stab people in the back, and they're just awful people, and on and on you go. But here, we talked about if you see something, say something. You know, if you have this positive attitude, obviously you want to start with telling them, but telling other people about them, that can be powerful. So let's say you're a coworker with somebody, and you're in a meeting with their boss, and uh, somehow it's relevant, I mean, even if it's not relevant, it's like, you know... Uh, you know, John, Sue, boy, they, um, maybe you're head up a different department. Maybe you're a peer with their boss. You know, they really, uh, really, you know, bailed me out in marketing. They did some extra research and stuff on the product, you know, gave me what I needed. And it was last minute because the customer just at the very last moment said they wanted a change in the order. And boy, they just went out of their way to help me. And that just made a huge difference. What do you think that person's going to think? Thank you so much. You just told my boss. I mean, wow. Right. And so whether it's um, in a family's situation, you know, whether it's, you know, if you think thinking positively about your husband or wife, it's okay to tell the kids, boy, you know, you're really lucky to have the, the mom or dad that you have, you know, it's that, you know, whatever it is, because they just did A and B. It can work with, you know, siblings. It can work with um, all relations. So, you know, and then when that other person, they're not just getting encouraged by you, but it's like, yeah, and I heard, um, you know, John just, uh, you know, was telling a friend of mine that, or you were telling a friend of mine that, you know, how good a job I was doing or how nice a person I am. And wow, if this, and even if they don't know where it originally came from, you might have uh, a whole bunch of people just saying, gosh, you know, everybody's just, I've had six people just this week say, what a fantastic job you're doing. It's, it, it's amazing. What does that do to that person? So, you know, you, you want to be, we talk about the flywheel, you, know, you want to, this to be a bit like a flywheel in which, or, or a forest fire, and you light a match, and there's this groundswell of encouragement that comes from so many different sources. So in this case, gossip is one thing when it's negative, but telling others when it's positive, of course the person would love you to tell others, you know, if it's true. Uh, so you've, You've got to have this attitude of and and you know try to praise people not just to their face but but you know sounds weird but behind their back to people that right. know them you know because that is they will like that so you know it's not an either or praise them to their face be specific but also tell others and be specific people that know them uh, that is just huge it creates this atmosphere of encouragement. The rule I've always had as a leader is. 
correct in private, praise in public. Um, if you've got something that you want to tell someone who works for you or with you, again, something that shows appreciation and encouragement, as publicly as you can do that, the better, because their their coworkers and friends are going to hear the boss say X, Y, and Z about them, and that uh, again motivates folks to you know to to do better and. I want to level set us here as we're, we're more than halfway through your seven points that we're talking about all of these things, right, in the context of Beyond the Crucible, in the context of Crucible experiences. I mean, what would you say, Warwick, to, to specifically why encouragement is important in the context of maybe someone who's going through a Crucible, um, uh, someone who's who's been through one and is trying to bounce back from one. Why is this topic of encouragement so, you know, something that we're talking about on this show? You know, it's an excellent question, Gary. I think, as we often say, if today's the worst day, you're in the pit, you might feel like life is over. And we've had a number of guests on the podcast who've been at a point in their life where they feel literally worthless. Some have felt so bad about it, they've even contemplated suicide. I mean, there are, there's real depths of feeling just worthless. I'm a waste of space. Everything I, you know, I certainly, I didn't get through, didn't get, didn't have suicidal thoughts, but I certainly went through a time after my failed $2.25 billion takeover, sort of the thought that everything I touch, I ruin or destroy. I mean, it's like, you know, look what I did. I mean, gosh, I mean, I wasn't, I was feeling you know, relatively worthless myself. So when you can encourage somebody and say, look, I, I know what you went through is awful. I know you made a big mistake or I know what was done to you is unspeakable, but you are worth something. You are worthwhile. You're a good person. You are kind. You are smart. You're intelligent. You have a lot of capacity and be specific. You know, look, if, you know, um, you know, I heard somebody the other day say, you know, boy, they're a tinkerer. You know, they kind of, they tinker around with things. They sort of build things out of nothing. You know, they have this really mechanical, creative side. Or maybe others, they're a good writer or a good musician. Uh, whatever it is, you know, when they're feeling so worthless, when you're encouraging them to say, you know what, you are worth something. Don't let what happened to you destroy you. You know, I care about you. You know, you are, you are worthwhile. If all that does is help them get their toe out of bed the next day and put one step forward, that's huge. So encouragement can really make a difference between people choosing to get out of bed and choosing to say, like, I'm going to be angry for the rest of my life. It can literally, I wouldn't say save them, but be part of the process of, uh, you know, helping them come back and leading a worthwhile life. So yeah, absolutely, encouragement. If ever there's a time you need encouragement, it's when you're at the bottom of that pit. That's when encouragement is just like this lifeline. It's absolutely huge. And point number five uh, in your blog and in our conversation is that there's not like a cap on how many times you can do this. You don't have like, oh, I can only do it three times a day or I can only do it to this person once every month. It's not like that. So your fifth point is give positive feedback often. Why is that critical? Absolutely. You know, this isn't a one and done kind of thing. Okay, I gave my coworker or my employee on my team one positive feedback because, hey, it was a New Year's resolution and it was January 1 and so we did it. You know, Check. That, <laughs> yeah. 
back to your example with you and Kelly and the bottle. It's not like, okay, we had that wonderful time. We spent two hours on January 1st going through the, you know, the, the bottle with all the positive feedback. And yeah, she, uh, Kelly's going to have to wait till uh, January 1st next year before she hears any positive feedback. But hey, it'll, it'll be worth, it'll be amazing. You know, and obviously she jokingly said, no, <laughs> you know, right. it's not an either or, it's both and. Sometimes, especially if people feel bad about themselves, which if, you know, today's your worst day, it was probably extremely likely. Just saying, oh, you know, you can do it or, you know, don't let what happened to you destroy you or don't listen to those people. They don't know you, you know, who are, you know, being down on you. Yeah, I said, okay, great. And then months go by. Well, those negative thoughts will start to take hold again. It's almost like, you know, weeds. It's like, I use that kind of fertilizer, the weed and feed thing once. We're good, right? No, right. you're not good. You got to use it constantly uh, because the weeds want to keep coming back. And same with negative thoughts and negative emotions. You know, it's almost like a spiritual battle, you know, depending on your spiritual paradigm. There's the forces of evil and the forces of good, you know, or however you look at life, you know. Whenever you see something, say something, not just once. So you see them do something good again. Say, wow, that was, that was remarkable. I can't believe what you did. You know, that was uh, incredible uh, what you did that day. Or maybe you, maybe you see somebody encouraging somebody else. That was incredible what you did because they really needed it. Boy, thank you for doing that. So, yeah, I mean, to get that sort of uh, flywheel effect, yeah, you got to pay attention, see something, say something, be specific, tell others. But you got to do it more than once. This, you know, it's it, you know, because it's there's a battle for the soul out there, a battle between being depressed and down, and between encouraged. And people need as much encouragement as they can get, and you know, often because life is not easy. Every day, it seems like you might get hit in the gut with something. Life is not Disneyland. It's not easy. So, yeah, you know, people need encouragement often. And that, listener, is not just an opinion of the host of the show, Warwick Fairfax. That is a truth backed up by research. I found a Harvard Business uh, Review article which talked about the uh, a study that found how many positive comments, how much encouragement is needed compared to a piece of criticism. In other words, for the two to kind of balance out and to, uh, for every thing that you say that's critical to someone, you should say this number of positive, encouraging things. You want to take a guess or you want me just to tell you how many positive, encouraging things for one critical one? Well, why don't you tell me? <laughs> All right. It is 5.6 encouraging comments for every critical comment. Now, you couldn't see Warwick's face here unless you're watching on YouTube. He was shocked by that. Why were you shocked by that? I was going to say three to one, but wow, 5.6 to one. That is just staggering. And the article from which that, uh, that statistic comes says this um, about why positive, I mean, why that number could be so high. It says only positive feedback can motivate people to continue doing what they're doing well and do it with more vigor, determination, and creativity. 
Perhaps that's why we found with the vast majority of leaders in our database, this is Harvard Business Review, who have no outstanding weaknesses, that positive feedback is what motivates them to continue improvement. And then check out this statistic. Focusing on their strengths enabled 62% of this group to improve a full 24 percentage points in their work, how productive and how, uh, how good their work is. That's incredible. That's an incredible testament to, to a, a, an incredible statistical testament to what we've been talking about here today. Absolutely, Gary. And notice what Gary was just saying is how offering encouraging comments can really help productivity and take people to the next level. We often think, oh, but I need to give them negative feedback so that they'll know and can improve. Well, yeah, doing it the right way can be helpful. But I think what it's saying is encouragement is almost more helpful than the so-called constructive feedback, you know, which, you know, I think one of the, the challenges is I hear, I know people, even folks that are really good managers that will say, look, don't tell me the positive stuff. I want to improve. Please tell me the negative. And that's said with the best of intentions. They honestly want to get better. And so I politely say, I can think of one person I have in mind. This is no. I'm going to give you the positive anyway, you know, because, right. you know, you may not want it, but you're going to get it. I don't say it quite that bluntly, but um, yeah, I think the human psyche is such that, you know, like when we do these cards at birthdays, it's hard for me to process that positive feedback. If you ask me half an hour later, what specifically did they say? I said, well, let me get that card out again. It's hard for me to remember, to be honest, because it's for most of us, Positive feedback is hard for us to accept. We tend to be all broken souls. Uh, now, you, you say, ask me a week later about the negative feedback. I'm probably going to remember that one. You right. know, get that seared. That we, the pain uh, serves to help us remember. Negative feedback is so often remembered. I think that's partly why the ratio you talked about, 5.6 to 1, is um, encouragement is not easy to accept, which is why we need to do it often and be consistent so that somebody's self-image of themselves, which often is not positive, tends to change. There's, there's, there's psychological reasons why that statistic makes exceptional sense. Right. And there's a, there's a flywheel effect on the other side of the encouragement, right? For the person who receives it, the more you hear that, the more that's spoken to you from varied sources in particular, the better it's going to be for you going forward to receive that and not be like, oh, Oh no! Please stop! Right? I mean, it, it it's it, it it will help people receive it. The more you are part of the the solution of people who are who are giving that encouragement. Yeah. Just one more thought on that is it'd be like saying, okay, I watered that dying plant once. It's good, right? No, it takes a lot of water for that dying plant to thrive. And so that's just the think of ourselves like that often, especially if you're in the middle of a crucible. So yeah, it makes abundant sense. Here's another point that makes abundant sense. The sixth point in your blog, and this is critical too. This is, you know, this is the other, another little offshoot of how critical this is. Doing it often, very important. But also we want to make sure that what we say, when we say it, that we're sincere in doing so. Because insincere, positive, encouraging feedback can be sniffed out miles away. 
you know, back in my advertising days, I had an internship, which we'll actually talk about here towards the end. But one of the worst things you can do is have a bad product with great advertising. Because you go buy it at the supermarket, and you go, I just saw that out on TV, and this product's lousy. I mean, this food, whatever it is, it tastes terrible. You'll get angry. So, you know, it's a bit like that. You've got to be sincere, obviously be specific. Uh, you know, just this general mantra of, oh, you're doing a great job, or yeah, you're a nice person, and, you know, come on. You've got to, it's got to be real and be specific. Otherwise, frankly, it will do more harm than good. It will have, better, it will have been better to say nothing, to say, great job, you're a nice person, if they're not. They will resent it, they'll be angry, and they will feel unseen, unheard, and that you don't know them. I mean, it, it sounds strange, but insincere comments... Uh, can be extremely toxic. It is not helpful. All right. The the summary point, um, this all, the flywheel all flies around, spins around to get us to this point. And that is the power of encouragement. Encouragement is powerful. Why is that true? And how is that true? I really believe that encouragement can change the world. I mean, we live in a world that's uh, divided, there's war on as we speak, uh, division, discouragement, fear, uncertainty. But, you know, when you encourage somebody else and they in turn encourage others and you have, you know, encouragement spreading like, you know, water spreading out on dry land, you'll see grass growing, flowers blooming. It, it makes a tremendous difference if if we had everybody think, okay, what can I encourage somebody today in? You know, it would encourage people to bounce back more. Yes, you know, if you've uh, gone through some things, you might need counseling. And there's, if you have an illness, there's all sorts of, you know, you might obviously need medical treatment. I don't discount any of the very practical things that you need to do. But encouragement can just change people's attitude. It can change people's motivation. It can uh, make people feel less negative, more positive. Uh, it can literally revolutionize the world if more people thought of, uh, of encouraging. And that is the signal that the time is, has arrived in the podcast where I talk about the Purple File, which I do every episode now. <laughs> and the idea behind the Purple File was uh, Dennis Gillen, who we had on the podcast a few weeks uh, ago, um, wrote an article for Entrepreneur Magazine where he talked about this file he keeps. And it's a big, thick file, and it's purple. That's why it's called the Purple File. Ingenious. Um, but in it, he keeps notes of encouragement. He, that's how he describes it. Notes of encouragement he's received. He's a suicide prevention speaker. Sometimes he worries that his speeches aren't hitting the mark. They're not motivating people. They're not, they're not moving people. They're not helping people. And when he gets into that place, he pulls out the Purple File and finds a note of encouragement. If anything is an advertisement for the importance of all that we've talked about here, specifically the idea of writing a note or something that even an email that you can print out, this would be it because someone can do it again. It's to the point of, it's not just one and done. That encouragement then can live on if someone puts it up on the wall, puts it in a purple file. And I'm just gonna read one short one here because it, it what this note does is hits on both aspects of what we've talked about. Throughout this entire episode, we've talked about you can have a professional track in your encouragement, and there's also a, a personal track in your encouragement in the workplace and in the home. 
from the boardroom to the be- uh, the uh, living room, right? You've got that that kind of uh, of mix. And this is a note that I got ten years ago. I still have the note. This is a note I got ten years ago when I left Focus on the Family. Um, and it's written by Jim Daly, the president, still the president of Focus on the Family. But this is this is what he said on the day that I left. He gave me this note. Uh, You've provided great leadership to the media effort at Focus. A wonderful move for the ministry, bringing you in that position. You have managed the media relationships with great ability. Specific, right? We will miss you. Your flair will also be missed. Personal, specific, and personal. So there's a business, right? You've, you've managed the media relationships well, but your flair will also be missed. You are one of a kind. We love you. All the things that we've kind of talked about here, the entire flywheel represented there in this in this idea of uh, if you keep a purple file, if people are encouraging you, they're giving you fodder to put in your purple file. So as you think about encouraging others, um, know that it's it, it's not only is it not one and done for you to continue to encourage them, but the bits of encouragement that you give them can live on for them in that particular case from uh, my old boss, Jim Daly, for 10 years. Yeah, so well said. I mean, that's such a great example of the Purple File. So whether it's cards at birthdays or Father's Day, Mother's Day, or whether it's uh, handwritten notes that you've kept, those things matter. You know, we don't tend to forget. And so we can look at them in our dark days and just uh, and just remember. So it's so, you know, it's so helpful, so important. So now you hinted earlier, Warwick, that there was a story that you were going to tell about um, your time, perhaps in a different lifetime, in a different uh, business situation. So before we take the 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 plane to the ground, and, and really, it, it occurs to me, my whole idea of the captains turned on the fasten seatbelt signs, we're the only two people on the plane, so one of us is flying it. So we'll just bring it down without <laughs> the captain telling us, but so... So we've begun our descent, but tell us that story that sort of uh, fits in and kind of summarizes, I guess, what it is that we've been talking about today. Yeah, thanks, Gary. I mean, if this was a movie, in a sense, this is probably the origin story of why encouragement is such a high value for me. It was an example. It's a it's a lifelong lesson that I've never forgotten. So. I finished school in Australia. It was probably like, I don't know, November 1979 or something like, uh, uh, I'm sorry, November 1978, because school years in Australia are different. It's the calendar year because the summers are round the other way. It's all different. So uh, Oxford uh, wasn't until the fall of 1979. So I had like a eight-month gap or something. So for about five months of that, um, I got an internship at uh, an advertising agency, J. Walter Thompson. Used to be one of the biggest advertising agencies in the world. It's now merged with a few others. And so I was working in the Sydney office and uh, in, a, in their group. It was a Kellogg's group, so I was supporting you know, Kellogg's Cornflakes and a bunch of other things. And there was this Canadian guy, Don Robertson, that came out to be chief executive of the Australian office. And so every once in a while, we had team meetings. I don't know if there were 50, 100, 150 people. It was you know, a pretty big office for an advertising agency. And I remember one time he gave praise to uh, one of the people working in the group. I was in the Kellogg's group and said, you know, 
the advertising we've done uh, for Kellogg's Australia is uh, some of the best advertising that Kellogg's have seen worldwide for the whole brand. Everybody knows Kellogg's cereal. You can probably get it in every every country on the planet. I mean, it's a massive brand. So for Don Robertson, CEO of, of uh, J. Walter Thompson Australia, to say this is some of the best advertising that's being produced for Kellogg's anywhere on the planet in Australia relative to the rest of the world. It's not like a massive market. It's not nearly as right. big country, but in terms of the market, not nearly as big as the US or Europe. Well, imagine what that person thought. I mean, they would have gone through a brick wall for Don Robertson. You know, you, the work ethic, the commitment that, hey, I'm not leaving this place ever. You know, if you're an advertiser, you have choices. <clears throat> so that was one of those examples that um, I have just never forgotten. Just, he was very specific. You know, he was, he told others, <laughs> you know, like headquarters in Battle Creek, Michigan, wherever they are for Kellogg's. I mean, it was, it was amazing. And ever since then, just the power of encouragement to motivate a team to get to the next level, but just because it's the right thing to do. And that was huge. And that is a, a an excellent opportunity for us to put the plane on the ground. Before we do that, though, um, before we depart the plane, planes on the ground, before we grab our peanut bags and head out, um, your blog available, if not already, then soon at crucibleleadership.com. As you always do, you end with some uh, some really insightful and thought-provoking questions of reflection that readers can ask themselves. And I'm going to leave the listeners who hopefully will also be readers of the blog, uh, with those three uh, prompts to reflect on everything that we've spoken about here on this episode of the show. First one, and these are all sequential. You can follow one, two, three. First one, think of someone you want to praise. We won't do it in real time. I won't make you do it while I'm talking, but think of someone you want to praise. Two, think specifically why what they did or who they are is praiseworthy. Right. One of the points that Warwick makes in the blog, one of the points we made here is be specific. That carries far more weight as you're offering encouragement to others. And then, and here's here's the most important point. Don't let the thought die on the vine or in your brain. Go and say something to them this week. Right after you think about it, after I'm done talking, go tell them. Think of someone you want to praise, think why you want to praise them, think specifically, and then go do it. Because um, the impact, as we've discussed on this episode, the impact can be great. It can be a flywheel that will that will spur them on to greater performance uh, or will, will add um, depth and meaning and momentum to your relationship with someone professionally or personally. That's the benefit of this thing that we call encouragement. So listener, until the next time we're together, remember that we understand that your crucible experiences are difficult. We understand that they're painful um, and that they can take a while to get through. But the good news that we offer, the good news that Warwick has staked out in his book, Crucible Leadership, Embrace Your Trials to Lead a Life of Significance, available now uh, at bookstores everywhere, including Amazon, what Warwick points us to is the idea that if we learn the lessons of our crucibles, if we don't stay in the pit, if we get out and we move forward, 
we can um, land at a place that is the most rewarding place we can land, and that's a life of significance. And I want to, on that phrase, life of significance, here comes a tease, here comes a tease. Next week on this show, you will hear about our new series of this podcast, which we're calling Second Act Significance. We have interviewed some truly remarkable guests who have gone from a first act in life that for whatever reason wasn't fulfilling, wasn't what they felt they were called to do, didn't bring their heart alive, a crucible's usually involved, and then they moved on beyond that. And in the second act of their life, they have found that life of significance that we've talked about. So stay tuned because Beginning next week and for several weeks following, you will get to hear more about and actually listen to episodes from folks who have lived and are living a life of second act significance. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 